Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider. We'll get started right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. MPs, assistants and researchers look as if they're under 20. And, if all goes well, will become MPs themselves within five years. They walk at twice the pace of everyone else and their eyes burn twice as fiercely. They also might have that morning drafted a clause in a bill that could make life either a bit better or a bit worse for hundreds of thousands of people. So wrote sketchwriter John Crace in The Guardian almost a decade ago, describing those rarely described, the young staffers who make Westminster's world go round, the people who perhaps aim one day to become MPs, but for now work behind the scenes, trying every day to keep democracy ticking along. You may think that every politician has an army of highly paid, highly experienced staff supporting them. But in fact, more than likely, it's one or two grads fresh out of uni. And working for an MP can be a very strange job. Their list of official duties is long enough. They go to meetings on behalf of MPs, write emails, speeches, letters, help constituents secure council housing or benefits, manage diaries in the office budget, keep the stationery cupboard stocked, supervise interns, fetch the tea or coffee order, answer the phones, organise events, and plenty more besides. But the unofficial duties are where it gets really weird. Unofficially, there can be the dry cleaning pickup. They can be a personal shopper, a gym spotter, a drinking companion, a shoulder to cry on, and a marriage counsellor for both the MP and their spouse. There can also be a dark side. Do you guys know a number of MPs that you wouldn't want to work for because you've heard horror stories? Can I just go round and say yes or no? Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of what goes on is hidden. Unless you spend too much time hanging around in Westminster's endless cafes and boozy bars, you're unlikely to hear what it's actually like to work for a frontline MP. I hear this stuff all the time, but I wanted you to as well. As you probably know, focus groups are all the rage in Westminster these days. So we thought, what about a focus group of people who've worked in Parliament? What if we got a load of people together in a room, on mic, to talk about what it's actually like? What kind of stories might you hear? What might you learn about how Westminster really works? You get a front row seat to all of these amazing 
I call them once-in-a-lifetime events, but we went through about 10 of them just while I was there. It's quite hard if your boss messages you at 4am to, like, ignore it and go back to sleep. You get to know the MP's family circumstances, their life circumstances. It kind of feels slightly intrusive, really. Given that the MP is the judge, jury and executioner, the MP is ultimately the one who is the arbitrator of whether you can stay or whether you go. There's quite an emotional toll at times. Me at 23 and pretty much someone's life on the line. I went into the women's toilets and it was like 9am on a Tuesday and there was a glass of white wine by the sink. From Politico, I'm Aggie Chambray. And this week on Westminster Insider, we're lifting the lid on what life as a young assistant starting out in Parliament is really like. Meet our panel. I had a hot cross bun, yeah. which Ooh, I yeah. have basically every day of my life. Okay. It's become a bit of a thing. It's a Tuesday morning after one of May's many bank holidays. I'm in a small recording studio in central London with a group of five 20-somethings. Only two of them have ever come across each other before, but they all have one thing in common. They are all recovering from short careers in Westminster. Hi, I'm Eleanor and I worked for a Tory MP. Richard Clifford, I've worked for two Labour MPs and split them by working as a lobbyist for three years, so I've been around Westminster for a while. I'm Rhiannon and I worked for a Labour frontbench MP from 2019 to the start of 2022. I'm Ryan, I worked for two Conservative members of Parliament. One was a government frontbencher and I was in Parliament between 2015 and 2019. Hi, I'm Will. I worked in Lib Dem HQ and Parliament in various roles between 2015 and 2021. OK, so we are ready to go. Of course, it's not easy to get your first job in politics. Unless, of course, you're related to some peer or MP or someone like that who's able to uh, help you out. For everyone else, it's fiercely competitive. This is Ryan, who worked for Tory MP Chris Philp and former Tory MP David McIntosh. You really need to push home how many CVs and how many people will apply for a job, regardless of how what level it is, because of the sort of like people wanting to work in Westminster. I got into politics when I was maybe like 13, 12, 13, which probably marks me as some kind of huge geek. This is Rhiannon. She worked for Emily Thornbury, the long-serving Labour MP and Shadow Cabinet Minister. I applied for so many jobs after university, not just with MPs. I think the one with Emily, I was the least confident about getting because obviously she was so high profile particularly at the time being shadow foreign secretary and it was probably the job that I thought I had the least chance with you kind of have to cut your teeth doing a lot of door knocking and campaigning you're judged by your boss as to have you shown true Labour grit it's exactly the same in the Lib Dems. This is Will, our former staffer from Lib Dem HQ. Have you written a focus leaflet? Have you been on door knockings? Have you worked a local by-election campaign? These kind of cutting your teeth kind of things that I did during my teenage years and early 20s that you, you, you kind of do to build up those contacts so that when your CV does come in front of that MP, they go, oh, I met them at Eastleigh or somewhere like that. <laughs> When I was younger, my mum just said, oh, I think you'd be good in politics, probably because I was quite opinionated <laughs> and confident. This is Eleanor, who worked for a Tory MP. I guess I sort of thought about that a bit and thought, actually, that could be quite exciting. And then I did A-level politics and I did a politics degree. And then I suppose it was just like a, just kind of flowed from that. And I applied for loads of jobs because I was just out of uni and it was during the pandemic. And this one just came up and I got an interview for it. So I just went for it. Some people really treat a job in Westminster like their entire life. On the parliamentary estate, you can get three meals a day. 
There are numerous bars, a gym, showers, even a hairdresser. You can see your colleagues more than you see your friends and family, if you're so inclined. For young people especially, it can be an intoxicating mix. It's a bit like an extension of being at university. I remember being struck when I arrived that it had quite a similar setup to being a student in that you kind of have your isolated workspaces. You have those kind of communal areas like Portcullis House where you can come together and maybe get a coffee. And then in the evening, you've got all the bars. So it's very much kind of like you're almost reliving your student days. And I was also very conscious that for a lot of people who'd perhaps come from, you know, these elite private schools and then gone on to Oxbridge, that actually all of those places and Parliament look and feel very similar. Like having a plastic tray with a plate of curly fries on in a wood-panelled room is quite a bizarre experience, but it's also quite familiar if you've been to, like, a private school or Oxbridge. So, yeah, I think it did feel quite student-y to me. My first day, they took me up to the office and I was kind of expecting like something a bit exciting because, you, you know, you, your office is in Parliament and it was just the pokiest little rabbit hutch with no windows and you could barely fit two people in it. It was in the loft. The loft is actually, well, what I described as a loft and it's actually been condemned now. Former Labour staffer Rich. I can't abide the phrase Westminster bubble. It's so annoying. However, there is there is an element of it being true in terms of coming out into the wider world when you leave it does seem very odd and it's it's very different in terms of working world to working in Westminster but yeah no it is it, it does sort of take up a lot of your time and kind of yeah you sort of forget about everything else aside from that apart from being in Westminster. This is probably really naughty but some people did sleep overnight in their offices like under the desks I've heard of. Um- <laughs> Sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I mean, I didn't do it personally. I'm partial to a nice comfy bed. But yeah, I've definitely heard of people staying staying overnight there. So you really can make a whole life of it, yeah. <laughs> breakfast breakfast starts really early as well. And you can get like a full English oh, breakfast. Oh, they do look gorgeous. Good. <laughs> stayed overnight in Parliament? No, I haven't, no. Rhiannon, have you heard of that? I've definitely been in Parliament until like gone to 3am, but that's been sort of personal choice being in the bars, etc. <laughs> but is it people staying because they don't have accommodation, they need to be in in the mornings? Or is it like they just get a bit pissed that it's 3am? I think it's the latter, to be honest. If you've been drinking in the bars, you can generally head back up to your office and no one would really bat an eyelid. I think on my first week working in Parliament, I went into the women's toilets and it was like 9am on a Tuesday and there was a glass of white wine on the side by the sink. Okay, so since the focus group recording, I have tracked down a former staffer who has actually spent the night in Parliament. She slept on the MP's sofa, had a shower on the estate in the morning and no one was ever any the wiser. Whether you're coming from home or waking up in your office... The day-to-day as a parliamentary assistant can really vary. MPs run two offices, one in Parliament and another in their constituency, where staff organise the MPs' local diary with visits and meetings, as well as dealing with constituents having issues with their housing, welfare and immigration, or anything, really. In Parliament, you can be political firefighting, speech writing, or helping with a constituent whose situation is urgent and intense. The thing is, it's really quite different for everyone. The way it's set up, there are 650 MPs and there are 650 different ways to run your office and tell your staff what to do. The thing that they all have in common is they all get to watch the political circus in real time. 
you get a front row seat to all of these amazing I call them once-in-a-lifetime events, but we went through about 10 of them just while I was there. Prime ministers coming and going and working on the leadership campaigns to replace them or all the different election campaigns that were happening in the country, the EU referendum. Because of the way Parliament is and how sort of like small the resources are, essentially for members of Parliament, you get so much, so many opportunities to kind of take part in these weird and wonderful things that you'd never be able to. Um, whether that was, you know, catching a glimpse of a monarch as they came into open parliament or just sort of like seeing some random celeb that was there to support the guide dogs charity and playing with guide dogs at lunchtime. Like that's the kind of thing. And it's such a weird and surreal place. You are in the middle of some very high octane like political drama, really. I mean, I remember late 2019 when we had quite a few MPs defecting to the Lib Dems, me actually being the one signing them up as members and handing over the form and being like, this is sort of like a moment of history. I mean, it didn't quite turn out as big as it, as it planned, but like Sam Jamar and uh, Chukka Ramuna and those types of folks kind of coming over that was a real moment of political drama and being at the centre of that and being with people who are as passionate as you during that period, it's, yeah, it's a thrill. I guess everyone gets their thrills in different ways. One former Tory researcher told me in reverent tones that she'd once been in the queue behind Theresa May and the former PM had ordered a soup and a salad. So this young researcher had also ordered a soup and a salad. Whenever I see uh, on a job description used to working in a high high paced working environment, I tend to laugh at it now. <laughs> it's like I don't think you've worked on general elections before. Now, like those are long days where they're incredibly varied. No day ends the same as it started, and you do incredibly different things, like helping to you know write parts of a manifesto or write parts of a leader's speech or kind of do stuff like that. And kind of looking back at the time, and there was a lot of stuff in there where actually you got people elected you got people involved and actually that has somewhat changed things it was my first job after university and I think the kind of energy and total focus that you have to give that job I think to do that straight out of university that was an amazing experience and I sometimes think I don't know if I could go back and do that like could I give a job my all like that again I remember on my very first day I obviously knew that going into that job I was going to see and experience certain things I didn't think that at the level I was going in I would maybe see all of that at once I went in and my new boss was preparing to do question time on the Thursday and to stand up against Dominic Raab as foreign secretary on the Wednesday um, which was a pretty insane first day um, for a 21 year old to go into that job. You might be surprised to learn that people so young are given such big responsibilities. That's mainly down to the fact that there's not a lot of money in British politics at all. In America, senators employ up to 50 members of staff, while congressmen and women spend around 20 hours a week fundraising to run their re-election campaigns. Here in little old Britain, there is less appetite from taxpayers to give MPs more money. Luckily, as is the time-honoured tradition in all exploitative industries, kids just out of university will work long hours for low pay. Salaries for parliamentary assistants now start in the mid-20,000s, which, although is far from nothing, is much less than shiny corporate jobs might offer in central London. It's not a job that's, you know, going to set you up for life it is often quite poorly paid and there's obviously pressures when you come in as a, a junior member of staff you're not paid well you're working long hours it 
that's the kind of thing that you have to be almost a true zealot for the political party that you want to work for to kind of work in or to work hard and to kind of put yourself forward for that so you know i look back on certain experiences that i enjoyed and i feel probably better equipped to deal with stuff in the future because of it but i'm also doing my best to try and give a balanced view here and say there were some terrible parts of it and you know you deal with difficult people whatever it might be I think you can't forget that you're working for someone whose name is on the line, their reputation is on the line. So it is really important that you get it right. So I think to some extent you can make a, make a mistake, but if it's something in the public eye that could completely ruin someone's career. So you have to, I think that's a lot of responsibility to bear. And I think you have to bear that in mind. And that also kind of makes me think of, about the fact that it's not just the the work responsibility, but actually there's quite an emotional toll at times, um, not just carrying or, or trying to support this person in the public eye, but also the constituents alongside it and the important issues that that you might need to represent in Parliament or help help the MP to represent in Parliament. So you say emotional toll, do you mean kind of emotional toll on you or? Yeah, so I worked um, on the Homes for Ukraine scheme when that first started and I, I was kind of responsible for any issues that came into the MP, which were there were a lot of them and actually I I know at one point the home office was saying just go to your MP they'll kind of they'll kind of sort it for you which is not really our job but um I I'd speak to individuals who who were kind of updating me on the progress of the Ukrainian that they were hoping to sponsor and oh they've just moved into this country they're homeless here you it's it's really intense and that was me at um, 23 and pretty much someone's life on the line and I felt very much responsible for that so I would be queuing in Portcullis House for hours to speak to people and I'd go home at night and think well I wonder what they're doing tonight because they're homeless now just escaping Ukraine in a conflict so I think that there's a lot of pressure um, in an emotional sense as well. A lot of people I don't think quite understand the kind of way that a parliamentary office works where unlike a normal office where you'll be part of a team and there's a structure you're success and your longevity in that role depends on your MP and when they lose their job you've lost yours there is no safety net there's kind of in the churn of an election there's you know there's nothing to kind of help support anyone after that so there's an almost added pressure that you know that if you don't do well your MP's not doing well then if they're in a marginal they they, they may struggle the next time and so you have this weird link where you're there facing the prospect that your career is linked to them. And if something bad happens, you know that you've got an MP's name on your CV and people can look at that and be like, oh, you worked for so-and-so. Well, oh, you worked for so-and-so. It's connected more so than I think any other role or any other industry where essentially when your manager loses their job, the entire team are gone. And when you say something bad happens, what, what do you mean by that? I just mean if something... if like mistakes are made or they end up making mistakes that aren't the fault of the staff and things like that you know it's so easy to get tarred with that brush literally as like a 20 something year old just starting off all of a sudden you're confronted with you know the media and things asking questions about your boss and then you're sort of like stuck in every single job everyone makes a mistake every day right everyone isn't perfect we all make mistakes i don't know if when you've seen behind the curtain and i'm sure everyone here agrees it is very much fly by the seat of your pants in the world of politics it is mistakes being made it's last minute it's it's everything right this happens all the time and when you then look at mistakes and look at the process of addressing mistakes there are limited opportunities for training in parliament because obviously the mp is your boss that's the boss you know they are time poor they don't have a lot of time to actually look after staff and develop staff etc so it's not like these young staff who come in if they make a mistake on the first few days which they will because they don't know what they're doing it's their first job you know 
it's difficult then to kind of, I guess, enable them to, to learn from that because the MP is so time poor. But then also at the same time, given that the MP is the judge, jury and executioner in terms of whether people can stay in the job, if you make a mistake, it might to the outside seem like a minor mistake. But the MP is ultimately the one who is the arbitrator of whether you can stay or whether you go. I think that's sort of an environment that ultimately is is very odd and very different from most workplaces, I would say. Judge, jury and executioner. That's Rich's view of what MPs are like to work for. That, of course, is fine if the MP you work for is a reasonable, fair person, which I think most MPs are. But if they're not, it can feel like you've got no safety net because there is no independent, overarching HR for member staff. Because MPs are set up like 650 little businesses, MPs can set up HR for their staff however they see fit. Coming up after the break. People that I know that have, you know, babysat their boss's kid or have, you know, looked after a dog or like run off to buy shoes or makeup or whatever. No one thinks like, oh, this is completely inappropriate at the time because it's just what you do. Stay with us. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A message from Lloyd's Banking Group. Lloyd's Banking Group has championed social housing for decades. It provides finance, expertise and guidance to more than 340 housing associations across the UK. These range from small local associations of several hundred homes to much larger regional associations responsible for tens of thousands of properties. Each has an important role to play in their community to help people find a safe place to call home. Improving access to quality and affordable homes is central to Lloyds Banking Group's commitment to helping Britain prosper. That's why Lloyds Banking Group is calling for one million more homes to be made available for social rent over the next decade. When you talk to people who work or have worked for members of parliament, they often say, oh, I was lucky. The MP I worked for was great. This, to be clear, is a code. What they actually mean is the MP didn't bully, fire or demean them. They didn't make a pass at them when they had too much to drink. They didn't make inappropriate comments in the very small office that they all inhabited. Because working in Westminster, we've all heard the stories and we all know what unlucky looks like. I think one of the elements of luck is actually... You don't necessarily know what an MP is going to be like until you work for them. For me, the person I I saw in the media and who I knew before I started, I actually thought, oh, this could be a bit tough to work for this person. I think I can do it, but I think it's going to be a bit tough. Um, And I was actually pleasantly surprised that they're actually quite human and quite understanding. And I didn't agree with a lot of what they, they said, but I was comfortable to go in and do that job because that's what I was there to do. But I think for a lot of people, you don't know this. That said... There are clearly some MPs that that we would all think, oh, I won't work for them. And you can tell them because they've always got vacancies up and 
I mean, I think there's one MP that still has not a single staffer because no one will work for him. With a yes or no, do you guys know a number of MPs that you wouldn't want to work for because you've heard stories that they are horror stories? Can I just go around and say yes or no? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, do you want to come in, Rhiannon? I remember being a student, even in my university labour club, and I was talking to a local organiser who worked for the party and he was asking me what I wanted to do after university and I kind of threw around a few names of Labour MPs that maybe I'd want to work for or who I thought were kind of, you know, great MPs or people that I admired and there was a couple of names that I said I was like, oh, I'd love to work for this person, I really like them and the organiser said, oh no, you really don't want to work for them Um, and that was, you know, I wasn't even in Parliament at that point but clearly it was a really you know, staunch verdict on that person that, that, that they weren't good to work for. And that did measure up to stories that I heard when I then did enter Parliament to work there. And I think on timing as well, you can be very lucky in the timing of when you arrive into Parliament. Obviously, Labour lost a lot of seats in the 2019 general election. I know quite a few people who knew their MP was going to lose, were kind of encouraged to jump ship and then moved to another MP who maybe had a slightly less good reputation or they had a bad experience working for that MP and they sort of moved their very last minute and then had to jump around a few different MPs before finding someone that they worked well with. I was definitely very fortunate to arrive just before the general election because it opened up a lot of opportunities, particularly after when my boss decided to run for Labour Party leadership. That was, to do that at 21 was was pretty incredible. Um, But yeah, you can definitely be very unlucky. In terms of the actual things that MPs can do that make a workplace horrible, I know of certain MPs that will hire only on six-month contracts, so you're consistently having to go up for reapproval every six months, and you can tell who the people that are bad employers are based on, you know, who's hiring all the time on Work for MP. Rhiannon really liked the MP she worked for. They went on road trips together, for work of course. They campaigned in the rain together on a weekend. They're still in touch and on good terms, and Rhiannon actually says Emily Thornbury still comments on her Instagram posts, which intimidates her new boyfriend. But having worked in and around Parliament and spoken to friends, she gets how the boundaries can blur. Yeah, I also know of MPs who've almost expected their parliamentary staff to act as babysitters for their kids. Oh, yeah. I think... <laughs> and dogs. Sorry. Yeah. There was like a note of agreement from everyone. <laughs> MPs asking staffers to babysit their kids and their dogs and dogs as well getting them shoes and everyone i i didn't have to do that but i've heard a lot of that i think you develop a very personal relationship with your boss that probably goes beyond what a normal boss staffer relationship should be and i think at that point you know staff are often willing to personally compromise and sacrifice you know more of their time more of maybe what is appropriate in a in a formal workplace environment but there's just kind of the sense that you know we're all in this together everyone's kind of making these weird compromises to their personal life to have this incredible job so you almost don't think about it and definitely like people that I know that have you know babysat their their boss's kid or have you know looked after a dog or like run off to buy shoes or makeup or whatever no one thinks like oh this is completely inappropriate at the time because it's just what you what you do and and that's because the hours are so long it's kind of part of that job and when I worked for work for an MP like you get to know the uh, MP's family circumstances their life circumstances you you kind of get to know all of that it kind of feels slightly intrusive really you'll get a phone call or a text from like the MP's wife or husband 
saying, oh, do you know where they are? They're not picking up the phone. And you've got to be like, and you said, don't forget anything of, uh, anything of it. If you're in a normal job, you'd never have your line managers like other half texting you <laughs> being like, oh, do you know where they are tonight? And you're like, oh, they're still in the chamber. Or, oh yeah, they're on news night or something like that. But because of kind of that atmosphere and how, how it is, you don't think anything of that. And because also you just don't want to be the person that says no, because then you may miss out on an opportunity or when say your boss runs for leader you may not like be able to help as much or something like that and there's so many reasons that you just don't want to be the member of staff that goes no i don't want to do that because then all of a sudden you think that you're jeopardizing your career and don't get me wrong look that is toxic as hell um but i think that's one of the big factors in a lot of this stuff of when someone when the mp comes in says oh can you just look after my kids for 10 minutes while i vote you sit there and go oh yeah of course I don't know if I ever really slept that heavily because I always thought, oh, at some point in the night, I probably should check for a text. And it literally could be anything from like, have you seen, like sending an article or um, asking a question. So I worked on like, I kind of led on quite a specific area of work um, and she would sort of lay in bed, think up an idea and just message me to quickly run it past me. And I don't know if she expected me to reply at 4am, but it's quite hard if your boss messages you at 4am to like ignore it and go back to sleep, especially knowing you've got to pick it up in the morning anyway. So yeah, um, we did have a few of those. Did you mind? Yes. <laughs> I love my sleep. So yeah, I mean, it, it isn't ideal. Um, I think as I'd been there a little bit longer, I felt more confident setting the boundaries. I think when I was newer, I was kind of in this mindset of like, I can't believe I'm here. Like they've got something wrong for, for me to be here kind of thing. So I was just kind of doing whatever I could. But as, as time went on, I thought actually like you can't really keep on like this forever. The role of a parliamentary staffer has never been defined, right? So it depends on each MP as to what their office manager does, what their parliamentary assistant does. There is no, there's some rough bullet points that you can follow, but on the whole, it's down to that, that member. And so when you turn up to someone in the house and say, oh, I'm a parliamentary assistant, that can mean anything, right? There is no, you, there's no sort of like set thing online that says, this is the role you will do. And so there's no support there. There's no net. There's nothing to actually protect parliamentary staff when something does go wrong or when there are wrong practices. I remember someone saying to me when I worked in parliament that you kind of get what you give, which sounds kind of like you ask for it if you're a staffer. But I do think there's an extent to which like if you're willing to engage maybe at the weekend or after hours, which a lot of staff are, because obviously if you've got this really like important like interesting you know sometimes like famous person texting you at like seven o'clock at night or whenever the temptation to engage is is quite strong and I think a lot of people find that they do end up just like giving their MP quite a lot and I guess the MP then just doesn't think twice about it and thinks they can continue as normal with texts at the weekend and stuff. But also I think don't forget that for a lot of staffers, the job was pretty all-consuming. I mean, if you're really passionate about politics, then you're watching the news if you're not working or you're reading the news. So I guess the job does bleed into your life yeah. quite a bit. If you look at the broader like broader workplace trends in different organisations or whatever, like the big quit, the great resignation, millennials wanting to have more say over their careers, etc., that's fine outside of Westminster. But because there's such a monopoly on these early career political jobs within Westminster... 
it's almost insulated from this trend. People need these jobs. People have to stay in these jobs or they have to try and take them. So they're almost willing to try and put up with bad bosses, put up with bad behaviors, you know, really put themselves through the ringer or take a chance on put themselves through the ringer because the other jobs within that field are not available. And obviously that is a sacrifice that every individual has to make on their own. I worked for an MP that I didn't personally support. I worked for a party that I've never voted for, which I don't think... I've heard of many other staffers that have done that, but I wanted to get into Parliament. So I was prepared to make a sacrifice in terms of my kind of personal views because I felt that I could separate the two. So I know how it is that if you want to get in, you will put up with slightly less than ideal situation. The House of Commons Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, and a group of other politicians are currently looking into the way MP staff are employed. So far, they've taken evidence from unions, other MPs and current and former staff members on bullying and harassment as well. They've already produced one interim report and the second interim and final report should come out later this year. One of the stats given to the conference so far is pretty galling. Unite did a survey that was returned by 600 parliamentary staff and they found 25% of people had either experienced or witnessed bullying in the offices of MPs. Can I just go around quickly? Does that surprise you, that stat, starting here this time? No. No. Honestly, it could be higher, right? I suppose it's low. No. No, it doesn't. One of the things being considered by the conference set up by the Speaker is whether staffers should still be employed by MPs. Instead, they could be employed by an independent body. One advantage of this would be if you had an HR issue with your MP. You wouldn't have to go to them or someone else in your office. But a lot of MPs are keen not to lose hiring and firing rights of their staff. Everyone in this focus group has now left their jobs in Parliament. But before the group dispersed, they were keen to make the point about the good things too, about their time in politics. This is a job where you get to work in a literal palace, and words you write get read out in the House of Commons chamber, recorded forever in Hansard. I was looking back at kind of my time in, uh, and kind of looking back over like the photo roll of that time and seeing so many kind of warm photos of like drinks at the pub or conferences and kind of thinking back oh we did that we won that by-election we won those council seats we got those tens of thousands of new members and those have now grown into into councillors and I think for quite a lot of us there is a real sense of pride in the work that we've done whether we've put an amendment in on a bill whether we've won a campaign whether we've done anything kind of small we kind of know that I did that and that was that that was really powerful for me. I couldn't agree more. I think the the there's such a power to that role, the things you can do, especially if you are creative and feel like you can push back or suggest new ideas. I think there's so much that you can achieve and I think that hopefully I mean we're all sat around here having largely very positive experiences, so I hope that people aren't dissuaded from going into this role. This has felt a bit like a group therapy session rather than anything else, but the opportunity to work in parliament is unreal and like will said the stuff you get to get involved in like leadership campaigns or referendums and actually see you know what you're able to do in there is sort of second to none an opportunity you don't get in any other workplace so working for an mp you might have a brilliant time the boundaries will probably blur you'll likely spend way too much time in parliament but here's the thing your experience will depend completely on your judge, jury and executioner, the MP you work for. Hopefully they're good and reasonable, and most of the time they are. 
But without proper processes, living your entire life in the hands of one potentially strange person is not really the place anyone wants to be. And is it all worth it? The 4am texts, the babysitting, dog walking, conversations with the MP's family, the stress, the long hours, the responsibility. Do these people put up with it all because, well, as John Cray suggested, they all want to become MPs themselves? Of the five I spoke to, Rich said he never wanted to be an MP. Rhiannon and Eleanor say they now have less interest in it, swayed by their time in Parliament. Ryan says he would like to one day stand, and Will, our Lib Dem staffer, has already stood for election, but was unsuccessful. He now says he'd prefer a seat in the House of Lords. Wouldn't we all? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Westminster Insider. If you've enjoyed it, do please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a comment. And coming soon. Do you guys think, on the face of it, that Westminster has a bullying problem? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. Yes, but it's getting better. There are issues. We'll come back to the focus group and ask them, and others, why Westminster has a problem with bullying and what can be done to fix it. My producer this week was Eve Streeter of Whistledown Productions. Here at Politico, my executive producer was Christina Gonzalez and my editor is Jack Blanchard. We'll be back next week. See you then. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.